Welcome to another episode of the Wayne Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and this is the show where we talk to networking experts about the data services that make business possible. So you might be like about half of our WAN Manager survey respondents who have not adopted SD-WAN, or perhaps you're in the middle of a deployment and want to know what to look out for, or maybe you've already adopted SD-WAN and you're still kind of trying to figure out what to do with your MPLS links. Well, today we're going to get some perspective on that that might be useful uh, for a lot of different people in different journeys um, from another case study episode. This time with Mark Williams, who is the Senior Manager of Global Networks at Borg Warner. Welcome, Mark. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Greg. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be here. Excellent. So I thought um, just for, for I've, I've talked to you many times in, in many different forums, but for the audience, uh, maybe you could start out with, uh, with a brief introduction of uh, your background and, uh, and what your role at BorgWarner is, as well as what, what BorgWarner does. Not a household name, I think, for most folks. So it'd be yep. good to get a little background there. Yeah. Okay. So I'll start off a little bit about BorgWarner. So most people um, either know BorgWarner from the trophy that is presented from the Indianapolis 500. That is right. the BorgWarner trophy handed out each year. And we um, embed the face of the Indy 500 winner onto that trophy. So a lot of people know us from the trophy, but um, here in America and across greater Europe, we're more widely known for our market in the automotive segment for pro providing turbochargers. So we provide turbochargers for um, commercial vehicles. And here in America, um, a big name is our EcoBoost and our partnership with Ford Motor Car Company that uh, we, um, we made a lot of turbochargers, um, combustible turbochargers that we put in the car. But we have a lot, a lot larger portfolio than that. And with the onslaught of the electrical vehicle market, we have now um, mm -hmm. changed in our product portfolio. And we make now some products that um, you might understand as an electric turbochargers. Um, we make uh, the wheel drive motors, so the, the motors that are going to drive your vehicles and, and, and a lot of various mm -hmm. other EV components, electric vehicle components that go inside your car, like heaters and, and chargers and things like that. So this is what BorgWarner does in automotive. Um, we're a global company and um, we have presence all around the world. So my role here is I have a global team of network engineers. Um, my responsibilities go across networking, um, perimeter security. So all the components that we secure our perimeter with. And then as well as um, voice and mobility. So um, certainly all that exists in the same vertical. And um, we run almost all of that um, and in its entirety across our network. So I've got a great team. We do a follow the sun approach. Um, we are uh, very jointed from a, from a single moving effort. And um, like I said, I've got a really good team mm -hmm. in place to be able to do that. Yeah, that's really interesting that that, um, you know, a lot of the folks we talk to are, are definitely a little bit more siloed than what you you really touched on on every aspect of networking. So that's good to hear that it's that it's really integrated there at BorgWarner. That probably makes your job while it while it's more complex and maybe more, you know, issues to handle, it might might ultimately make it easier, I reckon. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, our our focus is our customers. Right. We consider mm -hmm. ourselves the team that business enables um, each one of our plants. Uh, we've got 100, more than 100 plants globally. And um, I'll have to say that uh, my team has a personal touch with just about every single plant out there. Um, they know us, we know them. Um, mm -hmm. And like I say, it's everything from where the wire plugs into the back of a computer, all the way out to any type of cloud hosted application or service. So, you know, we see it all the way through. Um, right. We have a layer of LAN support management. We have a layer of WAN support management. Um, and like I said, those other components of voice and mobility all fit right in there together. So um, my team is very diverse. I don't try to silo anybody. We try to make experts mm -hmm. a little bit of expert of everybody um, so that we can share in the, um, in the not only the support for the technology, but the support for delivering that technology to our customers globally. So, yeah, it does. Um, I'll say that we have a lot of fun with the tools and the functions that we're mm -hmm. able to go have some fun with. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, so let's get into that fun then. Um, you, uh, from what I understand, rolled out SD WAN last year. Um, so it's it's a it's a fresh experience, right? And yeah. uh, and and you're in that market right now. Um, so so first for for you know the, the folks out there who are listening uh, and and like I mentioned at the top, the, the, there are still quite a few, believe it or not, who have not really started down that road. Could you take us through kind of how you went about early in that stage, selecting a vendor, what features you wanted, that sort of thing? Sure, sure. Um, our you know starting back a couple of years, our, our journey was is we we're very much hub and spoke. So. You know, from a security perspective, we egressed all of our internet traffic out our data centers. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of local egress. Um, we used, you know, different technologies to optimize those traffic loads for both engineering traffic. So our network is very busy with um, engineering design traffic and right. um, mm-hmm. and our business system traffic. So the each one of our plants um, are consolidated into two ERP systems that are um, globally diverse, one in EMEA and one in North America. So as we started peering into the future, and I'm glad that we started peering into the future early, we started started to see the need um, coming forward for cloud adoption. And I try to think of it not so much as cloud adoption and the fact that we're moving everything to the cloud, but there are certain functions that were coming forward that we knew that if we didn't get start sooner than later, we were going to have some real roadblocks about supporting the business needs. So if you think about mm-hmm. the things like Office 365, our workday systems, you know, anything that was the simple cloud adoption, we had to be out in front of. And I know right. that if we weren't out in front of them, we may have fizzled, we may have failed miserably on trying to get there under the pressure. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we, we, we moved very rapidly in our quest and um, we converted our network, our partner, um, AT&T. I'm sure they're happy about me mentioning them, but our, our partner, yeah, partner with was AT&T. And they brought to us a very robust um, architecture with their Flexware product line. And that allowed us to virtualize our entire environment. So we um, pulled out our physical routers and we pulled out our physical firewalls and we replaced it every single site with a, an x86 appliance that ran both a virtual ah, router and okay. a virtual firewall. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that allowed us to take our first, I'll say our first step journey into local egress. And it was a huge hit. And um, so if I could just break in there for a second and say, you know, um, th- that is in, in our survey data, kind of the minority position going with an all VCPE kind of uh, solution. Why, what, was, uh, what was the sort of thinking behind that and working with your provider and, and figuring out which way you wanted to go? Um, for us... For us, it was really simple. Um, we wanted to make, you know, we make auto parts, right? So we don't staff all of our sites with network experts. Indeed, so we all, yeah. so we had to coordinate the activities to getting this solution deployed. So if you can think about um, what we were trying to do, we had a router in place, a physical router in place. We would have had to ship a physical firewall um, to mm-hmm. these sites. And then, um, you know, in, some, in many instances, we would have had to ship a, a, a optimization box. So we were using uh, Riverbed at the time um, for network optimization. Mm-hmm. So now when you start thinking about those three physical components, the wiring of such, the cabling of such um, would be very complicated. So um, one of the primary reasons why we ship this appliance is because we were able to consistently replicate our efforts site by site by site without getting into any mm-hmm. major obstacles about where to plug what and how to plug what. Um, so it was very easy Absolutely, to deploy. Right. So you could easy. manage that deployment centrally rather than having to get somebody to every single site and that sort yep. of thing. And and the second point about this, Greg, which was I told, which I have to say was hugely beneficial for us, is that sites need, you know, maybe let's just say a site may just have a bare need of a 50 meg internet connection. So you could size the virtual 
um, firewall to the need of the um, local sized ISP. So why is that important? Because it's all about cost, right? We've got to maintain and keep our cost perspective in check. And so as the company grew or as the site may grow or expand, we are able to deploy a new sized firewall from a software perspective. So that wasn't boxing up the next level or next version of a physical hardware right, equipment right. to the site. It was literally tearing down the initial software defined firewall and then building in the next version of the firewall. I mean, it would literally, what I would say it was done on the fly. We could do this on the fly. It was very quick, very nimble, very agile. Um, so that allowed us to be and deliver these solutions that fit the, that fit the site correctly. Absolutely. And, and I mean, that's, that's exactly the whole promise, right? Is, is the future proof aspect of it, right? That yeah, it's sure. not a rip and replace situation then. And, and you can uh, push whatever updates you need to go uh, without, yeah. without rethinking everything. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And the second, and I'll say the second most compelling part of our journey that was really providing a robust secondary failover solution. So we mm -hmm. use, uh, we also used AT&T's Anira solution and, and, the benefit of this solution was that our, you know, previous prior to that, we were building via we were building VPN tunnels back to our data centers. So when our primary mm -hmm. connection would fail, we had an internet over, overlay that basically, you know, our configuration went over to that VPN tunnel that hubbed everything back to the data center. So if you can imagine, you fail over, now you've lost your any to any connectivity from an MPLS perspective, and you're hubbed on a VPN connection back to your data center and then go from there. When we implemented mm -hmm. um, the Anira solution, it it is not hubbed back to your data center. It actually punches a hole in through the internet and we are able to provide any, any connectivity from a VPN perspective back into our MPLS network. So we weren't relying on any mm -hmm. specific hub to get back directly to that hub once we failed over and provided that any to any connectivity back into the was a virtual internet gateway, literally our sites were still on that grid for MBLS. And because we had went through and sized all of our MPLS connection or all of our internet connections correctly, I'll say that almost 95 to 98% of the time, a site would never have a clue if they're on their primary connection or their secondary connection. It was literally mm -hmm. that quiet. Um, a site typically would not lose a beat once they failed over to that secondary connection. And so, and vice versa, right. when they when their services got restored, it would flip back. And we were really, <laughs> we were right. really just watching tickets and we were watching the, the technology um, shake itself out. So those are some really, um, those are, you know, a couple of the examples of the real benefits that we saw by moving to this, this type of um, network. And I consider this our hybrid SD-WAN mm -hmm. network. So, that, well, let me, let me focus there specifically on the underlay. First, on, on something you already said, which was uh, sort of right-sizing your, your internet connections first. Um, did, are you still getting your, your DIA or, or did you go with broadband for that matter through, through AT&T? Is that something you've had to source yourselves? Nope. Um, uh, that's just all part of, of the bigger network package, right? No. Nope. So what we did is, um, <laughs> we, we studied every single site and, um, when we went to every site, we always had our diverse hats on, right? So if we had that main MPLS delivered by the last mile, whoever it might be through AT&T, mm -hmm. we ensured that we had a diverse technology. So, um, right. If we could get it specifically from another provider um, for Ethernet under, you know, delivered, we would do that. A lot of, in a lot of cases, we would go out to the local, um, the local cable providers, so the Comcast mm -hmm. and the Charters and the things MSOs, like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, not only did we have um, diversity from an MPLS perspective, so we had an MPLS connection delivered on a uh, x86 appliance. Running on v, running VNFs for our functionality, but if we lost all that, we knew that we had a diverse provider from an internet perspective, and we had a diverse 
another appliance from Anira that we mm-hmm. could survive in in those different ways. So we made sure that when we looked at the site, in all cases possible, and, and I'll say that unless we were specifically in AT&T territory, we would go out and locally mm-hmm. source that to each one right. of our sites to get the best bang for the buck, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And was that difficult? I mean, you, you have factories, they're not necessarily, you know, a, a different situation than the last case study I had on, uh, you know, uh, was a, was a, um, a staffing agency and basically a hundred percent of their sites are in central business district, multi-tenant office buildings. Yeah. You're dealing with factories where there greenfield development to get say a Comcast or something to pull, uh, something wires out to the facility. Absolutely. And um, if you looked at BorgWarner's footprint or you look at really probably any automotive footprint, we're, we're generally most most the same. Mm-hmm. You know, we build things on the edge of cornfields. Um, right, we, right. we build them in office parks where, where there's not, you know, typically low cost, um, low cost to operate um, where you'll get, um, you know, a good workforce that's affordable and we're not building them in the metropolitan areas. You know, we're, like right. I say, we're building, I call it, we're building them on the edge of cornfields. Yeah. And so yeah. in many, in many cases, um, yeah, there was not, um, that diversity down or, um, or that even a good robust internet can circuit the circuit down there. So, you know, I'll, I'll say this much, Greg, we, we had great success with all the partners around the world. Um, mm-hmm. I would be confident to say that for all the partnerships we've created with all the local ISPs around the world, we've had great success. We don't have um, we don't have those troublesome providers or those ones that deliver a poor internet service. Um, mm-hmm. We've been we've been really out, maybe lucky, um, but you know the the other aspect of that is the internet delivery, the internet capabilities that are being delivered to all these metro and rural areas. Uh, it's really gotten good. Right. Uh, we, what we've experienced mm-hmm. is multiple providers now are in almost all of our segmented areas, and uh, which really drives down the cost. And it really gives mm-hmm. us an opportunity to, to pick the best of breed. Well, you know, first of all, I'd say, you you know, you might be lucky, but it also sounds like you did your due diligence, which really counts in the in the ISP selection process, no doubt. Right. And and certainly cost isn't uh, isn't necessarily uh, the, the chief factor one should look at when looking at ISPs. All right. But, you know, the, the second thing I would say, and I've gotten this kind of concept from a lot of these kinds of conversations in various venues is that uh in many respects, the enterprise market has has kind of ridden on the coattails of of the growth of of the you know uh, residential eyeballs kind of market, right? So that yeah. when, when all of us were kicked out of the office, uh, whatever it was, for 15, 16 months ago, um, we're very lucky that we had all cut the ca- the cable cord and gone to Netflix and all of that, right? Because they they really had built up those local networks to handle that, and so and so that can kind of bleed over into having a more robust internet option from from these smaller ISPs or even you know big MSOs like Comcast. Um, because they had already had to engineer these networks for for all of us trying to catch the the latest Game of Thrones at exactly yeah. the same time on on Sunday night or whatever, right? So, yeah. so the, it kind of worked out lucky for all of us in that sense, right? So. Yes, absolutely. I'll give you a little story here. It was interesting, and I'm sure that everybody can um, somehow relate to this. But when the when the pandemic came on, right, we all were sent home, and uh, we all probably shrugged our shoulders a little bit and we'll say, see you back in the office in a couple of weeks, right? We really right. probably mm-hmm. didn't take the seriousness of this. But, you know, we were talking about, at the time, sending 15,000 users home to work. And um, we, we, you know, we're, we're a Cisco um, ASA, um, AnyConnect um, VPN client and um, or user. And at the time, you know, we were licensed for the occasional work from home person. Or we were licensed right. the occasional third-party uh, client that needed to get into our network. We were never licensed to send fifteen thousand people home and keep the organization running. Exactly, and those so, gateways were way too small for that, right? So yeah. So, so. we could we could support um, twenty five hundred people, mm-hmm. and that filled up really quick. And so um, you know we we reacted very quickly. We placed our orders with Cisco. 
um, to get um, some larger VPN appliances in. And uh, I think as like everybody else, get in line, right? right. So um, I thought outside the box here, Greg, and I tell you, it was a game changer for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went back to Cisco and said, what about virtualizing this whole environment? And so of we literally, yeah. we literally d- um, built in two days, a complete virtualized um, entry point into our environment to support an additional 10,000 people. So now, now we're up to the capacity to being able to support this. And, and it was, it was crazy, but the, the value of virtualization for this environment, and I spoke a little bit about it with our x86 and our, you know, our routers and our firewalls at the sites. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how we would have survived any other way. I mean, we, we delivered, yeah. Um, we kept the business running. Um, we really didn't skip a heartbeat. And um, other than not being in and getting our coffee in the office, but I mean, it's changed our whole composure on how we're going to do business mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, so we're really, yeah. we're really excited about that. It was, it was, um, it's an interesting story for everyone I can imagine. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, obviously this, that, you know, the I first heard the term, uh, you know, zero trust. Certainly, you know, several years ago, and then I guess Sassy was uh, was a few years behind that. But they were all relevant issues before the pandemic. But it has made them absolutely crucial now, right? That you know, be able to have software that can get downloaded on any device. We've even talked to some you know, folks who a lot of their workers didn't have laptops. And so you're dealing with someone's home personal, you know, it's BYOD all of a sudden. And, uh, and to be able to have a software-based solution, whether it's it's actually a VPN or whether it's some kind of, you know, sassy kind of zero trust solution, uh, that, that I think that's never going to go anywhere. And those who had already thought about it were, were very happy they had, right? So, yep. yeah. And we, and we just started our sassy journey a few months back. Um, Mm -hmm. we chose Palo Alto and her Prisma product line. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I tell you again, there's a lot of excitement inside of our network about this solution because it does, it, it, it handles exactly what you're talking about. And some of the, I'll say some of the woes that we had early on with our VPN solution, but, you know, we had seven entry points into our network. Now we have more than a hundred. Right. Right. Um, right. You had to come into America or or Germany or China or South Korea. Now you can come into uh, Turkey, France, you know, Mm -hmm. Portugal, uh, Canada. It doesn't matter to me because our SASE solution delivers that level of functionality for our users to come in and not be under the constraints of everybody clobbering a a German VPN entry point. The second point about that. The second point benefit about that SASE solution is that we now have full visibility of all of our traffic that's egressing and all of our traffic that's ingressing. And we can all, you know, and then, and, and like I say, we all see that inside of the data lake that it, that's compiling all this log data. So, you know, we have HS, HTTPS inspection now, SSL inspection. You know, we can crack open that, that um, container. Um, we're filtering, you know, for the bad guys and the bad sites. Um, we're doing DLP, you know, um, data leak prevention. We're doing inline antivirus. But the benefit of this is here is that not only do we see our endpoints that are egressing out of our factory still, but now we can also see those connections that are coming in. So like you say, we've gone home and there's the person at home using their home computer. They can now VPN in and we can see their compliancy. We can do hip checks on their antivirus levels. Um, are they patched? Things like that. The SASE, the SASE solution is a, is a must for us to operate moving forward. It really yeah. is. Um, yeah, it absolutely. It really is a cool solution. As, as you mentioned that um, that you were using Palo Alto, is that something that you wanted sort of integrated into your SD-WAN? Do you consider those basically just separate services? How did that work out? Yeah, the, um, the so there's the way you can set it up 
um, in, inside of your Palo Alto is you can create a whole bunch of service chain links. So mm -hmm. it's different than the service chaining inside of your virtual environment, but you can um, hook up a bunch of service connections. And so um, from an SD-WAN SD perspective, um, the, the idea here is you build your IPsec tunnels from your sites to the cloud firewall. So you're not, you know, we're reducing our footprint. We're taking all of our firewalls that are delivered at individually at all of our sites, and we're reducing that to a single cloud firewall that's globally diverse. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then now when you, now when you um, bring in a true SD-WAN, we're bringing in two little appliances that are working in an HSRP type of fashion for failover. Right. But we have those IPsec tunnels, you know, delivered directly from those um, from those appliances. So we build, you know, we build that path to Prisma. We build that path to our cloud storage provider. We build that path to Azure, AWS. You know, we're mm -hmm. building those paths directly to those cloud services. Plus, we're getting the value um, of of using those di those links. So we got, you know, we can take advantage of the underlying overlays with the diverse paths. Um, I'm very much warming up to dual internet connectivity. I'm not quite there yet, but, <laughs> right. um, yes. yeah. but um, you know, when we're talking about the, the benefits of SD-WAN with, you know, you're sending two sets of data packets down two separate links and they're, you know, the assembly of those packets um, doesn't matter what order they come in or getting assembled correctly at the other end from mm -hmm. an overlay perspective. God, the benefit is, is huge. The benefit is really Absolutely. huge. And then when you start talking about primary and secondary, you know, failover, failback, all that, that kind of goes away, right? Because you've mm -hmm. got multiple paths. Um, that you're able to, I'll say, employ to deliver right. your trap. Yeah, that and, you know, at a lower cost per bit, one can throw additional bandwidth at the problem as well, right? So, right. Um, so, so in, in that sense, let's, let's dig on that a little bit deeper, that having kept MPLS, you mentioned starting out with this sort of hub and spoke model, but you're breaking out internet locally now. But do you still have a lot of apps even on the internet or a lot of, you know, you, you were driven by IT in the first place. Uh, I, I'm, what I'm getting at is I talked to a lot of folks that are, you know, we, we, we got rid of our client server kind of stuff. We got rid of our on-prem data centers. And so nothing really needs to go over the internet anymore at all. Is that is that the situation you're getting to? It's really boiling down to what's really, um, what I want to say, our secret sauce or, right, or our, right. uh, our uh, bread and butter, whatever term you mm -hmm. want to use, but, you know, our, our on-prem SAP environment. I mean, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, that's something that's uh, hosted internally. Um, that's something we're, you know, toying around with or the, the, that team is toying around with us. How do we move this to the cloud? I think right. we still we still have a number of years before we get to something delivered from up to the cloud from that. Mm -hmm. um, our engineering, right? That's where our like say that's where our our meat and potatoes are at is our is our um, is our engineering systems and, right. and we keep that you know we want to keep our our arms around that. But but um, DevOps, um, mm -hmm. DevOps, HPC, high performance computing, um, you know, all those are are pretty aggressively. In, in step moving to the cloud because, I mean, it's just like any other opportunity in the cloud, right? We can ramp up faster than we can on-prem. Absolutely, um, yeah. We can, we can buy time on in HPC versus having to wait in line um, for, the, for the engineer in front of you to get done with their analysis, right? So that's, those are some of the key differentiators for us. And so this is why SD-WAN is so important for us is that, mm -hmm. We need this, this locomotive in front of all of this to be able to provide these paths, these secure paths to these different services so that our, our engineers can get out there and be developed. I mean, we want to develop faster than the, than the competitor, right? Um, so um, we want to be able to deliver and give them the tools that um, they're able to deliver on. And, mm -hmm. and we're, you know, we, we, I, I participate in an innovative team, innovation team in, internally. 
And um, I keep my ear open. Um, I'm part of that mm -hmm. stewardship. And, you know, when we start talking about one of the things that we're starting to leverage a lot of in our organization is, is the use of HoloLens. So we really want to be able to take an engineer that sits in our North America data center or North American engineering center and put them on the floor right. in China or put them on the floor right. in India. Um, and mm -hmm. again, there's another foundational element that SD-WAN is going to allow us to do. It's going to allow us to right. do that safely and securely. Yeah. So, so to take, take an upshot out of there and, and you can correct me if I get it wrong here, but that, you know, unlike some organizations where really everything can be pushed to the cloud sort of in the near term, if you have these sort of proprietary engineering SAP kind of systems, you still don't necessarily need an MPLS based intranet to do that. So it may, it may be, not be that you're moving all cloud native necessarily, but you can achieve that through SD-WAN anyway. Yeah. And that's, and that's where we want to, you know, we got a pilot site, um, as you know, this, it's not cheap to operate in Brazil. Brazil is a very mm -hmm. high cost telecom delivery location. And so, you know, we're engaging in a pilot with them to, to, I won't say dump our MPLS connection, but we want to, we want to try to leverage the harness of, mm -hmm. of internet connectivity, lower that cost and still be able to provide the high level of, um, I, I don't, I, I can't use the terms class of service, but we want to be able to deliver that overlay yeah. that still delivers the QoS metrics right. and the robust um, sustainability of being able to um, deliver it across the internet. And I'm pretty mm -hmm. confident uh, once we get there that we'll be able to do that. Again, yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. the idea with SD-WAN, right? Is that it's, you don't need class of service because if you can achieve the same QoS, then that's all there is, right? So, so I'm, like I say, I'm not completely there yet. I'm still warming mm -hmm. up to it. If there was less intensive, um, you know, if it was, if we were talking about um, SD-WAN delivering to cloud-hosted applications, the internet wouldn't bother me so much of going just right. you know with Google internet or, or using in internet as your overlay. But when you start talking about our business systems, um, mm -hmm. those factories, those factories depend on those, those consolidated cloud hosted data centers. I mean, right. our North America, our North America SAP instance runs, runs factories around the world. And mm -hmm. we have to ensure that those factories remain up and active and running. They depend on us to produce product and they depend on us to ship product. Yeah, well, in that sense, it might come down to, you know, like so many things often do in the WAN, the, the last mile issue of that. If you have an MPLS link with whatever it is, an E1 or an Ethernet uh, last mile connection, and then you already have to greenfield in your local internet breakout. Whether what other opportunity do you have really? If you're talking about something else, that it's either another diverse provider greenfield, or maybe putting something crucial like that over over a wireless connection is a little bit too far of a reach, right? So, um, yeah, but we do have a factory that's very important, very important mm -hmm. to us, and they're very important in relying upon our environment, our SAP environment. They actually have a third level of failover, and that's to LTE. So mm -hmm. um, we're using LTE um, as a um, as a value added path. And mm -hmm. again, when you start looking about, um, we had an interesting interesting discussion with an LTE. Um, um, provider, not not a not a T1 a, a manufacturer um, um, appliance provider. And anyways, mm -hmm. um, you know, I see LTE and 5G is a very important part of our SD WAN delivery because um, not so much to use it as a transport in essence, but that now is giving you your third level. So if, like you said, your MPLS is down, your internet's down, you know, you've got the road crew down the street that's dug both of them up, um, you now have an absolute possibility to provide survivability on LTE. Mm -hmm. And um, and I, I really see that as part of our um, longer term um, viability because in the SD-WAN world, as you know this, um, you configure your two, your two um, circuits, you know, your internet circuit and your MPLS circuit as your kind of forward error, error correcting type of packet um, delivery agents. 
And then you can set up your LTE environment strictly only to work in a total failover perspective. Right. So right. Um, that is hugely beneficial for us. And just to be able to have that comfort for some of our sites, um, I think, again, we look at ourselves as a business enabler. Um, we look at ourselves as the agent that's going to deliver um, connectivity to these sites to be able to produce your parts. I mean, our again, our goal is to get those parts out the back door. Right. Absolutely. Well, you know, you said sort of long-term development, thinking in that kind of long-term development, there's also the possibility now of uh, that uh, the race between Elon Musk and, and Bezos you know, results in, in some pretty robust uh, satellite-based, uh, you know, Leo kind of uh, broadband as well. Is, is that something that you would consider when, when the time is ripe? To be honest with you, um, I'm not convinced on satellite. Um, mm -hmm. At my at, at my previous residence years ago, um, I lived in the cornfield, um, so right, right. Uh, yeah. I didn't have broadband. Uh, believe it or not, um, I didn't have broadband or the op opportunity to have broadband. I did have satellite internet. Uh, it's okay, mm -hmm. um, but you know the challenges for the uploads is really is really something that um, I think is a game changer. If that gets mm -hmm. fixed, you know, everybody's everybody's sharing that upload connection, right? And um, so that really becomes a challenge from a satellite perspective. I look I look more down the line with at 5G. Um, we're in a, from our innovation innovation vertical, we're doing some things with 5G already. Um, you know, this things like um, operating our our um, robotic cars that are existent mm -hmm. on our shop floor. Yeah. Um, doing some inventory management with 5G. What's nice about that is the, the pure speed um, and analytics that can be delivered back to really make, really help us deliver a better, um, a better face to the functionality of that particular mm -hmm. um, pro process. So I think, I think as 5G continues to come forward um, in its deployment, it'll be a game changer. Yeah, I don't. Absolutely. I don't know. I think we're still off from being primary, but um, I certainly think there's going to be some great opportunities in the future. I'll say that, well, especially in. Uh, sorry, uh, just real quick. Especially in the sense of there's, you know, five G as the transport technology, and then five G as kind of the campus technology, and being able to unify that in a way yep. that's not really possible with Wi Fi, right? So. That's correct. That's correct. Now I'll say, um, and again, it's funny because SD-WAN um, opens up so many possibilities and I guess I could go on for a couple hours about the <laughs> opportunity that it enables, but our India plants, we all know and have challenges operating in India. Um, you, you know, our India plant, uh, one of our India plants actually gets better performance and connectivity from LTE. Mm, that their mm -hmm. their um, fiber connection to their to the facility. So there's lots of challenges in India, and I'm I'm really looking forward to being able to um, try that out in India. I'm a, you know if I can heck if we can um, deliver our primary um, connectivity into India plant via LTE connection, we're going to give it a shot. We're going to give it yeah. a try, and and um, you know it's very somewhat affordable for them to be able to use. Uh, so it's, like I say, there's lots of opportunities that the whole SD-WAN world opens right up for um, different things to try. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit now as, as we start to wrap things up here. Um, we, we've talked in the past, and, and I recall you mentioning that uh, in, in sort of the automotive industry in general, and, and specifically your history at Borg Warner, there's a lot of M&A activity. Um, what kind of lessons have you learned there, maybe for some other WAN IT infrastructure manager folks out there uh, to look out for in terms of uh, dealing with, uh, with uh, M&A? Yeah, so um, we do a lot of M&A. We just did our, our, our largest acquisition. Um, we bought Delphi Technologies, which almost doubled the size of our company. Oh, and wow. um, so when we purchased these, purchased this location, 
they they were currently at the hub and spoke um, mm. architecture. So they're physical. Um, they do a lot of backhaul of their internet circuits out to the points of concentration. Um, not a lot of local egress. And we're in we're in the middle of that journey right now, Greg. And um, you know, I'm I'm excited about it because I know that we'll be able to deliver. Um, what they're needing, um, right. I just can't. I just can't go fast enough, and and That's so, right. Right. Um, so you know, the things that the things we're looking at is getting that local egress delivered. Um, we we have, gosh, I think we have thirty active orders in place right now for these factories mm-hmm. for local egress, and um, putting them onto um, the Flexware solution. Um, that being said, um, you know, we had to join these two large organizations together. And I know that anybody out there in the networking world knows this is a huge feat because you know that we're all using the 10 address space and you know that we're all have right. duplicate address space. And, and we had right. some real conflicts around um, who gets to stay and who has to change. So mm-hmm. um, I, I would say... You got to look at that, and if and if you're looking seriously about bringing two big organizations together, one of the benefits of SD WAN is certainly the the overlay and the underlay. Traditional underlay, um, traditional underlay is not so forgiving of IP address, IP address. Absolutely. Overlay right. will allow you to have a little bit more flexibility for addressing that. And for us, we acquired them. They had five data centers, and so we have two. And so now you have seven data centers and our goal is to collapse everything back into two. And we don't know where that's right. going to be. We don't know where that's going to be yet. But um, my my vision is that, we're, that we operate on some fabric that gives us an opportunity to um, have a better relationship with our cloud providers, um, have a better competitive relationship amongst choosing which cloud provider we do business with as well as providing that robust where we're not having to build anything out of our data centers. We actually can couple that technology on their, on the back, on the fabrics um, backbone and be able Mm -hmm. to deliver a seamless a more seamless consolidated look and field. And we can leverage that, that backbone for um, data transfer and connectivity needs amongst the regions. We know that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got with the Prisma offering, we've got some service level agreements that's delivered of that offering from Microsoft Office 365, right? So we've got, you know, EMEA, EMEA in North America, we've got a 35 millisecond service level agreement from that firewall into the Microsoft environment. That's huge for us. Right. We're very yeah. Microsoft centric. We run Office 365. We're very Teams heavy oriented. You know, we, we're doing all of our collaboration, our, our um, conferencing, um, all of the, you know, all of the bells and whistles, if you can embrace it, that you can use in Teams as well as running Teams voice. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, merges and acquisitions are a challenge. And I would just say, um, don't be short-sighted, think outside of the box, think about how you can bring these two organizations together faster and quicker. And I think I think that, like, say, with our sassy oper- our sassy offering with Prisma, we're not deploying firewalls to 30 locations. We have a firewall. We're building IPsec tunnels to yeah. this firewall. That's the work that's being done. Um, so, like I say, it's pretty exciting for us to be able to do this. Um, I'm I'm pretty proud of my team to be nimble. Um, to be quick, to think out of the box, and to be able to attack um, to attack these technologies. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, just to drive home that point you've been uh, sort of hitting the whole time, which is that the virtualized network is so much easier to expand, change, and adapt. Right. So. Oh, abso- absolutely. And then, you know, even like when you think of simple things, Greg, about how do I get my computer patched, right? So. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, we're inside our corporate networks and our patching takes place there because when we're at home, you know, we don't allow split tunneling just for security for security purposes. Mm -hmm. So, oh, God, can you imagine everybody getting patched over a VPN connection? 
Well, Prisma, from a VPN perspective, allows us to steer some of that traffic. So um, as opposed to bringing all of that traffic inside your four corporate walls and then hairpinning it around to go get its patching or whatever, you can actually set up the policies in your SASE offering to say, hey, don't bring that traffic inside the four walls, bring it through the firewall, keep it secure, keep it safe, mm -hmm. but keep your patching on the outside, not on the inside. So, you know, I think, I think that's really important when you start thinking about a VPN or a SASE offering. I mean, think hard and deep about really what, what these cloud-based offerings can do for your organization. And then you cut, then you snap on top of that an SD-WAN mm -hmm. offering and, you know, your, your mergers and acquisitions will come faster and quicker, you know. I think I was on a call yesterday where I was listening about an organization that was that was delivering 350 SD WAN sites a week. Um, I don't know what. Oh wow! What, yeah. But but the idea yeah. is right. With that offering, you can you know, I I kind of summarize it like this: you pre-launch or pre-configure it, configure that device. You send it out to the site. You plug it in. It phones home, gets its configuration, builds the tunnel, right. and you're up and running. Um, that yeah. now, now compare that how you deploy a firewall or a physical firewall or a physical um, yeah. There's a lot yeah. more work involved. And the orchestration, the orchestration Absolutely. is unbelievable. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm looking forward to the days where it's not always the WAN's fault. Because everything's always blamed on the yes, WAN. The exactly. WAN is the WAN is the WAN. And you know what? We now have visibility, layer seven visibility into this traffic. And we say, hmm, okay, mm -hmm. what is this traffic? No, it's not the WAN's fault. It's Joe Smith over here. You know, he's locked right. into a YouTube video for the last seven hours or whatever it might right. be, right? But we can build, right. the orchestration is really cool because you can build all that, all those policies around that orchestration um, to control how your network behaves. So it's got to be in the, the email signature that you have. Uh, it's not the network. Right? So, yeah, it's not the network, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Myself, myself and my, uh, myself and my, uh, our global um, uh, SAP basis uh, leader, he, him and I always go back and forth about yeah. that. And joking, joke. it's all fun, but. Of he, course, yeah. I always blame SAP. He always blames the network, so. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, well, Mark, thank you so much. This was a really great review. Um, uh, I think there's a lot of little nuggets here. It might be one that uh, some people need to go back and even listen to a couple of times. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, before I let you go, I always like to ask folks, um, you know, now that uh, the the uh, world, uh, we're, you know, especially in, in the US, we're maybe a little a bit ahead of some places in the world in that sense, or starting to open back up what what has you most excited to get back out into the to the real life again um i'm i'm most i'm a social person sitting mm -hmm. here in my home office all day long is um you know i i don't know how i've been able to tolerate it this this long yeah. but i'm looking yeah. forward to less conference calls on video <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, more in-room collaboration whiteboarding those types of things um i think that's where we, we get now. I don't know about my dog. I think my dog's going to need some therapy um, unless yes. we have a policy change where I can take my dog to work with me. But I think that yeah. I think our pets around the world are going to be the ones that suffer the most from this change coming up. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, there is going to be a, a WAN summit in New York in August, so hopefully I, I might okay. see you there. So yeah, yeah. that'd be great. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for joining us. And um, and I look forward to maybe uh, checking in again sometime. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you very much for having me, Greg. All right. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening. The WAN Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Crimetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com, where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day.
so guess what, folks? We got some big news at Telegeography, and that is that we just launched our WAN forum. What is a WAN forum? Well, this is a content hub and community for anyone involved in the management of a WAN or in IT infrastructure for mid to large enterprises. And it's got all the analysis and content that you enjoy from Telegeography related to the WAN, uh, plus some extra videos, some interviews, and some uh, special tools that we've designed um, just uh, for inclusion here, like our SD-WAN vendor selector, um, a high-level WAN cost calculator to give you some ideas of what market prices are. Basically, if you like the kind of stuff that we talk about on this podcast and you're an end user, we think that you'll enjoy the WAN forum. And of course, this is a space meant to be shared, which is why a WAN forum subscription includes access for up to 20 members of your team. So check it out by heading to WANforum.com. We'll be adding some new tools, constantly adding new analysis, and announcing some upcoming WAN forum events very soon. So you want to make sure you bookmark that. That's WANforum.com. We can't wait to see you there and for you to dive in.